Right now, if you're scaffing, critting, screeding, H-backing, dunny diving, or electricianing, sparking, then you don't want to be sitting on the side of the road with a work truck that's smoking. You could get an insurance company that includes roadside assistant for when your work truck ain't starting and needs towing. Get onto truckassist.com.au. It's insurance to keep on earning and bacon and egg rolling. Limits and exclusions apply. Consider the PDS and TMD on the Truck Assist website. This week on Full Credit to the Noise, Coke isn't it for Brody. We ask if 10-day meetings at Bathurst are long enough, and we preview the Bathurst 12-hour. Welcome to Full Credit to the Noise. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit to the Noise, episode number one. Now, you can find this podcast on Twitter at FCTTN Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at former underscore legend, still refusing to call it X. You can find the bloke across from me on Twitter at AVL underscore motorsport. He's on Instagram at AVL.motorsport. He's on Pinterest at AVL.arts and crafts. He's a man who recently won Australia Day honours for services to illegal lobster fishing in Western Australia. He's formally challenged Max Verstappen to race him any time around the Barbagallo short track in 1980s Van Diemen's, and tonight he's wearing a Bring Back David Thexton hoodie. Welcome to Speed Cafe's Andrew Van Leeuwen. Thanks for that highly accurate introduction, former, although here in the West, illegal lobster fishing is no laughing matter, I'll tell you that. You never quite know (laughs) when your home freezer might be raided to check the household possession limit, and yes, the household possession limit is a real thing, so... uh, Let's tread wow. a little. Let's tread a little carefully around that one. I fully expect you to get me into a lot of trouble with race teams and drivers, but if I can avoid the wrath of uh, fisheries, that would be a bonus. <laughs> well, they uh, they they're not very forgiving. Uh, if anyone isn't who isn't from the rugby league playing state, Google Terry Hill in your spare time and lobsters. It's always a good read. Um, now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is former legend. I've hosted the podcast Full Credit to the Boys for the past nine years. That's mainly centred on rugby league and some dick jokes, uh, not going to lie. But I've parked that after dominating iTunes for almost a decade, AVL. Uh, And when you rang and threw up the bat signal, called for a new voice in Australian motorsport podcast, well, who would I not to answer you? Uh, For those who don't know old money Van Leeuwen across from me, people have asked me, former, what's the difference between you and AVL? I think it's best described on this podcast in motorsport terms. We both love Bathurst and we both bury our alcohol a week before the great race. I go up and put four cartons of Woodstock bourbon in the ground while AVL will bury a case of Penfold's Grain Hermitage, or as he knows it, cooking wine. Uh, AVL watches the supercars behind the glass of a corporate box while I watch uh, behind three layers of catch fencing and two blokes named Wombat and Shifty. And finally, AVL has a career and a reputation to worry about by doing this show, whereas I think a sacred cow is the new burger deal available only on Sundays at uh, Hungry Jack's. Now, the podcast, Full Credit to the Noise, is going to be a show where AVL brings the news and the opinions of a respected journalist, or respected by most, we'll get to that in a minute, Um, and I'll offer up the views from the cheap seats and ask the questions the everyday punter wants answered, like, why does Mark Scaife call everyone young, like young Neil, young Larko, young Kostecki? Why does Lewis Hamilton get dressed without mirrors every day? And why does... 
Um, our friend David Reynolds find a conspiracy in absolutely everything, AVL. That is a perfect description again, former. And I'm genuinely very excited to kick off this new project with you. Um, a few things about former legend that he, he kind of left out there. He is a huge and very knowledgeable follower of motorsport. We actually met through our mutual and very highly sensible friend, David Reynolds, who we just mentioned a number of years ago uh, in the pub at Sydney Motorsport Park at the Alpha Hotel of all places. Um, and since then, you know, we've always said that if only we didn't have all these other podcasts we were doing, we could do one together. Um, <clears throat> and here we are, which is great. Um, some of you, of course, will know Former's work already. They certainly do down at Walkinshaw and Ready United, <laughs> where full credit to the boys, always got to run over the speakers on the shop floor. That's not actually a joke. That's a thing that happened every week, and I honestly don't know how it didn't constantly land whoever was in control of the Bluetooth in hot water with uh, human resources, given some of the content on FCTTB, but there you go. Uh, and if you don't know Former's work and you're listening to it for the first time, you are in for a treat. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, this will definitely be something unlike the rest of the motorsport pods on the market. And I do really appreciate you saying that I uh, that I have a reputation to uphold Former, although there are those out there that think that might have bolted last week when I uh, was uh, savaged by some quarters for, for you know, doing my job. But... Uh, there you go. Well, this is going to be a fun ride. Let's head towards that. Um, before we kick off, um, let's quickly chat about you breaking this story wide open about Brody, uh, Brody Kostecki, leaving uh, Coke Erebus, or apparently leaving, depending on who you listen to. We'll chat about the details of the story soon, uh, and you've been making headlines with some of the other motorsports sites, which is always handy. I seem to have missed the boat on the story with one particular mob led by a bloke by the name of Ten Beers Bruce or something. He's trying to convince everyone that they knew about the story, but they were taking the moral high ground, AVL, tossing up mental health as the reason they didn't report it, and calling into question your morality for writing the yarn, AVL. How dare you? Now, firstly, if you believe all that, I've got a bridge in Sydney you can, I can sell you. Secondly, if you, AVL, have been unprofessional and culpable for putting people's lives at risk for writing the stories, as is suggested, what are people like Shaw and Partners who have left the team as sponsors, what are they guilty of? Why did they jump out at a minute to midnight, AVL? Uh, the facts of the matter are, the bloke isn't happy at the team. It's his story to tell, not ours, but uh, listeners can fill in the blanks as to why. And the team has some form on the board around this kind of thing. Um, and instead of swallowing the burly and the water thrown out uh, by parties with reasons to smother the story, AVL, why not go and do some old-fashioned journalism, boys, and uncover the facts yourself instead of bullshitting the public by telling us you're the bigger person in all of this? Over to you. Uh, look, I think, <laughs> I think you've, you've, said, uh, you've, said, you've said plenty there. I don't know really where to go with that, but obviously it's a very sensitive story. It's still a very sensitive story, you know, as we're recording Right now, there's going to be more, plenty more that does come out um, about it, but it is certainly um, it, the picture will become clearer on what has what has happened there. There are always two sides to these things as well. I think that's that's an important thing to note uh, at this point. Mm. Um, but yes, I mean, uh, being a good good person at journalism involves trying to actually find out both of those sides and not just take one and then. Um, and then go after people that bothered to uh, maybe look a little bit deeper. Just one more thing on this. Remind me again, AVL, wasn't it 10 Beers Bruce's mob who called you a liar about Tim Edwards leaving Tickford only to watch Tim walk away seven days later? How did that work out again? Remind me. I've got no comment on any of these things that you're saying, former. This is actually, I think I'm, maybe I am, maybe I would rather Fisheries was knocking on the door right now to check out my freezer. <laughs> 
I feel uh, very uncomfortable. I told, I told you I was going to ask you the questions that no one, no one was going to else, no one else was going to ask. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, head into our first segment. It's called the shift cut. Let's go time certain. We'll be two minutes thirty max on each topic. Um, and well, I think this year time certain is going to be quite a uh, prevalent prevalent topic to talk on. So let's hit the sting. All right, Brody leaving Erebus, Avio. Let me start on this one because it's your story. I want, uh, but I just want to say one thing, and then it's all yours. And that is genuinely congratulations on breaking that. Uh, probably will be the story of the year. Uh, defending champion sitting out um, at least one round at uh, ten minutes to midnight. Now, with all that said. Lift the lid on how this all began, what's happened since, and what might happen next. It's all still crazy sensitive, as I kind of touched on former, so I can't lift the lid on everything yet. But here's what I can say. It seems there's been a huge breakdown in the relationship between Brody and Erebus, which, of course, is led by CEO Barry Ryan. Um, it looks and sounds a lot like the him or me scenario we saw when a similar thing happened with David Reynolds. Like Reynolds, I can't see Brody driving for the team again. He's definitely out of Erebus for round one. That much we know for sure. And yeah, I mean, he won't be back at that team unless something huge does happen. Um, what we could see is Brody on the sidelines for the season if there is no resolution to his contract, which runs through to the end of 2024. Or if he is released, he could show up elsewhere, perhaps in a wild card and at the Enduros, perhaps more than that, depending on which rumours you're listening to at the moment. And boy, there are a lot of them out there. Um, based on what we saw last year, any team would be nuts to not try and get their mitts on him if he does become available. Um, but anyway, look, that, that's about all we can really say uh, at the moment. It's incredibly sad that we won't have our champion on the grid. But at the same time, this is blockbuster drama. Like, mm. you couldn't script it. And oddly, Supercars seems to be desperate for it not to be happening rather than embracing the drama. I mean, like, forget Netflix. Like, this is real-life drama, as big as it gets. And you could do a lot worse than just embracing it for what it is and ensuring that it puts supercars back on the back page of the paper because that's a pretty hard place for that sport to land at the moment. Yeah, AVL, before we move on from this, I'm going to say from um, a rugby league perspective, this would be the equivalent of, say, Nathan Cleary, who led the Penrith Panthers to their third premiership title uh, last year, pulling out right now and saying he needs time off and he's leaving the Panthers. That is the equivalent of it, and I can tell you, from experience, the rugby league media would go burko on this. They would not, you know, like I see supercars say that they don't get enough um, headlines and enough mainstream media coverage. We can't have it both ways, mm-hmm. you know. Correct. If this was if this was mainstream media, this would be story number one, front and back pages. Make no mistake about it whatsoever. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, look, it's. It's been a difficult week. Um, well, you know, last week was a difficult week as it all unfolded. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, like I say, the facts I outlined before, that's what we know is going on. Um, and I can't see without significant changes uh, Brody being back in an Erebus car this year. Huge, huge. Well, just as huge, maybe bigger. Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari in 2025. Now, let me kick this one off as again, AVL. Where were you on this one, you absolute big noter? You're all over this Brody leaving Erebus, but nothing on Hamilton heading to Maranello. I'll be the first to say you've let yourself down, you've let your readers down, and you've let Speed Cafe down. Well, you know, it is a big story, and it's probably bigger than Brody leaving Erebus, even on these shores. 
Well, it depends. If if Brody shows up at Mercedes, then maybe it's all interlinked. Like there could be a bigger, <laughs> there could be a bigger part of this. But yeah, look, this the is irony, um, the irony. The irony that he would get to drive a Mercedes officially more before Betty and her team did would be ironic. That would, that is, that would be a thing. Um, obviously, you know, I know you're a huge Lewis Hamilton fan. For me, you bring that oh, up quite often uh, when we're uh, when me. we're when we're uh, sort of shooting the breeze. But um, this is like this is a masterstroke from Ferrari, if for no other reason than marketing and stock prices. It seems it's already money well spent. Um, how it will work from a performance and results standpoint. That's hard to say, but whatever you want to say about Lewis, you don't win seven world championships by accident. Um, and, you know, I don't know that he's even looking at this from a, from a perspective of winning more titles. This is just something that all F1 drivers want to do. Like, they want to be a Ferrari driver. It carries so much weight. You know, he's doing it away for millions and millions of euros, but also, you know, for that driving suit with his name on it. Um, and, you know, I quite like that. I like the fact that, there is still a, a a fan element to these guys that go. No, I really want that red suit, and I want my name onto it. Um, I think the big the big challenge that I see is how Mercedes retains its fan base. I mean, are people There's really so many what ifs here, mate? Yeah, so like, many what ifs. I mean, are people really Mercedes fans, or mm. are they Lewis fans who support the team because he's there? Because Lewis makes that team interesting. You know, he softens that uber corporate feel from you know mm. Mercedes itself to the. Sort of harsh silver, you know that that the, the logo to Toto Wolf to all that sort of stuff. And Lewis is kind of he's almost like the opposite of it all. That kind of softens the whole thing and takes it out of that sort of sense that this is just a corporate exercise for a ginormous car company. Um, mm. Without him, I reckon it's going to be hard to see that as a kind of exciting team even if it's out there winning races you know if they do turn their form around and suddenly George Russell and whoever else ends up there out there winning races um, I think that there's there's a huge marketing challenge ahead of Mercedes to continue for that team to to have the fan base that it has at the moment it's interesting like there's so many things I'd like to say what if this happens let's start with the first one what if what if uh, George Russell wins the title this year. I know there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to happen, for that, for that to happen, you know. But where does that put Lewis? He's leaving a title winner to go to Ferrari. What if Ferrari go like busted asses in 2025? Um, and the, the thing that I keep coming back to, is it a move based on romance or performance? It's romance. It's 100% romance. It's not even, the, like, yeah. that's what it is. And that's what, you know, John Lacey basically ruined his own career to go and drive for Ferrari. You know, he went and yep. drove for a team that underperformed. I can't remember what the... I mean, I think he had a Williams offer. Would it have been Williams? Yeah, it would have been. And and didn't do that Probably, because yeah. he just wanted to be a Ferrari driver. And that's what he did. And Ferrari sucked. And he sucked. And his <laughs> career never really recovered from it. You know, Michael Schumacher went there when they were nowhere as well because, you know, he'd won a couple of championships. But the idea of being a Ferrari Formula 1 driver um, was too much for him to to not want mm. to pursue and you know i think it, it's very difficult to think that you know that's not something that had Ed and senna not been killed that he wouldn't have wanted to do at some point in his career as well because mm. you know it's ferrari like who doesn't want to drive a ferrari like that's it's it, it's the dream so this is all romance and it's not that's what i'm saying it's not lewis isn't going there to add to his titles if that happens fantastic but he's going there mm. because there's a there there's something that he wants to tick off in his career, and that's being a Ferrari driver. 
with all that in mind, and, and as you said, there's a long, it's a long shot, or not a long shot, but it's not a great hope that he's going to win his eighth title there. But what happens if he does? What does that do to Charles Leclerc, who's who's been their boy, and is still their boy? What if what when Lewis gets there? How does that change the whole dynamic of Charles and Ferrari? It's it's a it's a fascinating thing. All this, I think, there's a lot to play out, obviously. And all amongst this, you've just got Red Bull, who will just probably run over them all like a steamroll, and it won't matter as Zach in the end. But it's it's a fascinating uh, eventuation in the off season. It definitely is, and but you know, as much as I don't think it would be hugely surprising if Lewis can't match Charles, it's also wouldn't be hugely surprising if he did, because again, mm. you don't just accidentally win seven world championships. You might fluke yourself into one or two. You don't win seven of them by accident. He clearly knows how to drive oh, a racing car. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Although at this end of the of his uh, career, you just say that uh, the chances are getting longer and longer by the day. All right, F one tell Andretti United thanks, but no thanks. Andretti Is a surprise? United. Sorry, not Andretti I United. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> I don't Ryan, Ryan just fell off the couch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Andretti and Cadillac. Thanks, but no thanks. Is it a surprise, do you think? The FIA said they were happy with Andretti uh, bringing their act to the biggest circus in town, but all the other clowns at the circus said they don't need a low-performing American team. We've already got Haas, thanks very much. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes, no, it's not It's not even remotely surprising. It is disappointing. I mean, I hate it. Uh, I, I don't really see the point of Haas being on the grid, you know, but it's mm. there. I think Andretti yeah. would have been a fine addition to the grid, and given the way F1 is flying at the moment... Sharing a bit of that pie shouldn't be such an ask. And, you know, again, mm. you know, it just, it's a bad PR look at a time when there's so much visibility on the sport and we're going to, we're going to, you know, speak about something else related to F1 in a little bit that is kind of in this same boat. You know, when you've got all these eyeballs and things are going so well, it's actually a time where you have to be careful about doing things that make you look like dicks because people are actually watching. And you know, I, I think that that's that's you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm not a I'm not a full time Formula One journalist. I don't know every permutation or every reason or every everything, but um, to me, the optics are not great. No, I, I agree. I think the this is what happens when the people in charge of cutting up the pie are also eating the pie, yeah. and then they're asked to cut a couple of pieces more into it. They're not going to be interested, which is an interesting dynamic in itself. But the reasons they've handed out to Andretti, including that they won't bring as much to the game as the game will give Andretti, well, no shit. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why, why, hardly why else a would, revelation. Why else would anybody ever do it? Like You do it because it's being a Formula madness. 1 team means something. And does something for your brand and for your business. Like that's yeah, I I I, I really didn't didn't like that that either. That no, it was well pretty, bit arrogant, and I think a lot of Americans are looking at this and going, "Hang on." So it'll be interesting to see what plays out from this. They said to come back in twenty twenty eight. Is that them just saying, "Go away and don't sue us for now"? Because that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Oh look, I, I think it's just it's a it's a bad look. It's a bad look at a time when a lot of people are looking. All right, let's get to the next topic, and that is. Are there better alternatives to starting the supercar season uh, than a ten-day marathon at Bathurst? Yeah, there's like uh, all of them. All the alternatives are better. I, I probably like. I guess now we're like fairly close to it. I am looking forward to getting to Bathurst because I want the season to start. So my stance is probably beginning to soften ever so slightly on this. But realistically, 
Like, they should have just done anything else except go to Bathurst. There were reasons mm. that it had to happen that way. Or not had to happen, but, you know, there was a deal with the New South Wales government in place that they needed some sort of marquee event to kick off the season. And it couldn't be Newcastle, so it kind of fell back to Bathurst. Um, mm. But if you sort of just take take that commercial aspect out of it, you know, like a 12-car demo in Qatar that everyone was talking about, that would be a better option. Like... Sydney Motorsport Park, again, for the nine millionth time. Queensland Raceway, like, pack, <laughs> pack the turn one hill. Like, the best idea I've heard, and I have to give credit to a former uh, uh, podcast buddy of mine, Stefan Bartholomeus, um, is New Zealand. You know, that would be an absolute beauty to start the season. Mm. It's probably the one permanent circuit event that can create that buzz like a big street circuit event. So I think that would be something worth looking at, particularly when weather windows are so difficult to actually find for, for New Zealand rounds. Um, but look, I don't care. I, I wouldn't care if it was Simmons Plains or Perth or even the Bend. You know, we just should not be racing at Bathurst twice a, twice in a year and let alone the saturation of that super Bathurst with the 12 hour. Um, Bathurst yeah. is the one place we just never want to run the risk of getting sick of. You know, like we just can't, we can't do that. Well, Bathurst in February is either hotter than Nicky Lauder's undies or it's the scene of some absolute crazy storms. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of things to think about there. I mean, the crowds, the heat. Um, and have we ever seen a good sprint race around Mount Panorama? I mean, it hasn't worked yet from my memory. And I'm with you. I think if we had to stay in New South Wales, then surely the short track at Eastern Creek under lights was a better alternative. Have a concert after the race, run to support categories, make it a TV event. And guess what? No footy codes to run against. So you would have had a lot of free um, airspace to, to run against and, and maybe make a bit of an indent into the public. I, I don't know, mate. I just feel yeah. like Bathurst was a real soft, safe option that won't uh, grab many people and, 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 and win them, especially new, new fans, definitely not. The, 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 the funny thing is, is the very thing that Supercars has desperately been trying to keep a lid on is probably what is going to lead to some pretty good TV numbers, and that's the fact that well, that's true. he's not going to be there or he's certainly not going to be there in an Erebus car. So um, mm. there, there may be some frustrating vindication in this Bathurst idea that's actually come from something completely separate that the series desperately tried to keep a lid on, which is... Uh, ironic or one of it's something i don't know what it is but it's something <laughs> all right next one co-drivers not being allowed to start bathurst or sandown it's obviously in response to a couple of bathurst races particularly 22 where co-drivers started the race in what was very difficult conditions and um, binned cars from almost the first lap which wasn't ideal for a six-hour race with only 20 odd cars going to run around for that six hours but surely that's part of the deal the attraction of endurance races mixed strategies up Put a bit of jeopardy into it. AVL, isn't this a bridge to a step too far? Yeah, I kind of get it. And it's not, it's, sorry, I, 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 I don't like it. It's not mm. about having uh, the co drivers in the cars where they may cause damage and stuff. Really, what's driving right. this is the theory of, you know, of having your star drivers in the cars for that huge TV moment. You know, the Bathurst 1000 start yeah. is probably Supercar's top TV moment of the entire season. Um, mm. at the same time, it's dumb. You know, we need less rules in this sport, not more of them. And I think it, it it will end up 
penning more teams into the same strategy and take its toll on the racing product, which is far more damaging than having David Russell and Jack Perkins in the cars for the start of the race, you know? Also, yep. the, the big yep. names starting the race means they're strapped in race cars with helmets on. You know, what, what really should have been the focus for supercars was utilizing the big names a lot more when they were outside of the car during these big TV moments, you know? Like, how often do you actually get to sit there and watch the primary driver of the car while his car's racing around? So um, mm. I, I don't feel like it should ever have been seen as the negative that it was. It was just completely underutilized in a television sense. It's interesting you mentioned Jack Perkins. He tweeted, he's not a fan of it. High chance of some co-drivers finishing the Sandown 500 with this rule change. Surely, just as you'd look, they would like the stars in the cars at the start, having those guys at the end battling it out would be better than a couple of co-drivers. So there's a, there's a yin and a yang to that, surely. Yeah, I, I think so. We'll, we'll wait and see how many co-drivers finish the Sandown 500. But, um, but yeah, look, I, I think that, um, I think that it's, it is going for factors like that, for the fact that teams are going to want their stronger driver in the car at, at certain times, it's going to very much narrow the strategic options, which is exactly what you do not want in endurance racing. It's the opposite of what you want in endurance racing. All right, next one. Back to one of our mates. Is Team 18 David Reynolds' last supercars team? Uh, as a full-timer, it probably will be. You know, he'll be in his 40s by the time this deal is up, and I'm... I don't know. It's it, it's. I'm not convinced he's about to go there and start winning heaps of races. Unfortunately, um, because we didn't see, apart from that one race win in Darwin, we didn't see much from that team, particularly at the end of the year, at a time when you know even when the Camaro still had that little advantage. So, um, you know, it's obviously going to be a very new look team uh, there as well. Um, given that uh, Adrian Burgess is there, there is another tech heavyweight joining that team which um i'm not exactly sure when we're going to report that so maybe i shouldn't say too much to, to <laughs> steal the thunder of one of my colleagues who is uh who is very much across that story but um but yeah there is a, a bit more uh tech firepower coming there as well um so yeah look maybe they'll have an upswing in form but yeah for dave you know he's, he'll do his three years and then i guess he'll either re-sign there if it's going well or he'll pick up a co-drive somewhere and you know he's going to be one of those guys particularly with how well he goes at bathurst who um mm. he's going to have a long career as a co-driver as well how many polo shirts would the great man have avl by my reckoning this will be his eighth supercar team if you include enduro stints He's done PWR, HSV, Walkinshaw, Kelly's, um, Tickford. He did a 10-year deal and finished it in 12 months at Erebus. Kelly and Groves, he's done Team 18. I mean, blokes in jail want to know how you can do 10 years in 12 months. They're very keen to talk to Dave about that. But um, it's going to be weird to see him in tradie beer colours and not in a Penrite car. But not as weird as seeing the whitest bloke in the world sitting on a beach and having a beer in all the tradie beer press conference shots, a press shots we've seen during the week. Fair dinkum. Yeah. That was like having Ivan Malat promote backpacking. Would have been more convincing, let us say that, um, than Reynolds knocking back beers on the beach. I know what a lightweight is on the tins as well. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, – at least he won't get too much – he won't get through much of his uh, – of his sponsor product, which was always good news for me back in the below the bonnet days, to be honest, with his Coopers <laughs> when he had his little Coopers deal. It worked out quite well for my fridge at times. All right, has F1 lost the plot with team names? 
Sauber will be rebranded, rebranded as Stake F1 Team Kick Sauber for the 24 season, while Alpha Tauri will now be known as, wait for it, Visa Cash App RB Formula One Team. While Haas is also going to rebrand in 24, they'll be known as Strap for Cash Busted Haas Racing. AVL, when does it end? I'm a little torn on this. Like, are the names stupid? Yes. But what's actually more damaging to the sport? Like dumb commercial team names or teams struggling for money and needing pay drivers? Like, let's not forget that Cash App Racing was once Bernardi, you know, a team that allowed the likes of Gaston Mazzucani and Tarzo Marquez to, man. like, <laughs> legitimately claim to be Formula One drivers. Like, it's it's obviously got a bit out of hand with these names, Um and it's something the category itself does probably need to weigh in on, you know, like we've seen in the past where they have set up rules around, you know, the commercial use of the sport, like when we had the British American racing cars with with the zipper um, uh, livery and that sort of stuff because you're not allowed to run separate liveries. But, um, you know, as, as we touched on earlier, the sport is in rude health and the fan interest is unreal and these dumb names will never sit well with the fans, you know, because they'll go, hang on, mm, these guys mm. are just taking us for a ride now with what they're calling these things. Uh, and the risk of alienating this new generation of fans is not one the sport that really should be taking. So, you know, I, I don't, if it was a little more creative, you know, I don't have a problem with teams trying to leverage the money that sponsors are putting into it because I'd much rather a team like that have a driver lineup like Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda um, than two pay drivers in the cars because, you know, and, and calling it some sort of um, sort of more traditional name. But I think uh, Formula One probably needs to just clamp down and just make sure the middle ground uh, is 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 where teams are landing on on this stuff so they can go sell themselves, they can go and use the popularity of the sport uh, to find the commercial backing to have good drivers in these seats, um, but not do it in a way that makes the fans go like, "Hang on a minute, I'm like, we're not meant to know we're watching mobile billboards driving around," and this is making it pretty obvious that's what's going on. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there aren't many pay drivers at the moment. I wouldn't have thought. I don't even think Logan Sargent is a pay driver per se. But uh, I know what you're saying. It's it, it, But I tell you what, this this might be just a point too far, I reckon, these two names. Uh, finally, will the off-season testing and changes finally settle the parity arguments in V8 supercars? Dear Lord AVL, please tell me we're good to go. We've had wind tunnel testing, we're still doing engine testing, but surely for the sake of the category, we're going to have the same. Ob- we're not going to have the same obvious issues that we had in 2023. I don't think it, it won't be as bad as last year, but I don't actually know if it's going to disappear entirely. Like I think everyone is pretty happy aero-wise after wind tunnel, so I don't know there'll be too much whining about that. But there is still this sort of question mark over the engines, and I don't think the the testing has quite progressed as much as some quarters would like it to have in terms of we haven't seen that transient dyno testing and that sort of stuff. So the, the thing is, with, with this stuff, I mean, as the old saying goes, everyone ahead of me is cheating and everyone behind me is shit. So I doubt <laughs> like I doubt we'll hear no parody whinging at all because at some point someone's going to go there faster than me because um, something's working a little better for them than it is for me. So... Yeah, I think I don't know is about where I'm landing on that one. Yeah, I, I hope it surely. I mean, the the category has to get past that, and so hopefully with the amount of investment they have made over the um, off-season, the one thing they might have done right all off-season is that indeed. So hopefully it does at least settle it a little bit. 
episode of Full Credit to the Noise is brought to you by Firepower, makers of the Firepower pill. Just add one Firepower pill to a tank of fuel and feel the results for yourself. A Firepower pill will lower fuel consumption, reduce emissions, and clean and maintain your engine. It works by burning more of the heavier elements of your fuel, increasing power and fuel economy. Sound too good to be true? Look over there, don't look over here. The technology is simple. Our pill goes into your tank and lubricates all parts of your car's engine, making it slipperier than our boss's bank records. And just like full credit to the noise, Firepower are also proud sponsors of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Sydney Kings, the Western Force, and of course Tasman Motorsport. We have offices in the Cayman Islands and Bermuda, so you can sleep well knowing your car has a magic pill in its petrol tank, and we have offices in tax havens with no extradition laws. And as a special bonus to full credit to the noise listeners, you can go to our website where Firepower are offering $1,000 share packages in our company for just $2,000. Just use the code SCIENCESCHMIANTS at purchase and sit back knowing your superannuation money is going to a great place, the British Virgin Islands. Firepower, the brand you don't know and the one you shouldn't trust. Full credit to the noise. Oh, that was an interesting ad. Former, I remember getting offered a firepower pill uh, uh, on a night out in Melbourne once, and um, yeah, I said no, obviously because um, no, of course you're not an idiot. Yeah, um, I remember I, I tried a couple of firepower pills in my car, but I, I had this irresistible urge to suck on lollipops and have glow sticks and whistles in my mouth. Mm. So yeah, it was a very interesting time in my life, to be honest. All right, we're going to do the $2 stock market. I'm going to throw up two motorsport stocks. You're going to tell me, if they're worth $2 right now, which one will be worth more by December 2024? Cool. So you get it? Yep. So yeah, yeah. The, yep. Two, the, two, the two stocks right now paying $2 are Aaron Love and Jackson Evans. Now, obviously, Aaron, Aaron Love goes to um, BRT. He's their second driver alongside James Courtney. And Evans is at uh, BJR stepping in for Jack Smith. That's now, at $2, $2, who is uh, going to be worth more in December if they're paying $2 right now? This is a tough one. This is actually a tough one. Um, I really rate Jackson, but I think I'm going to go with Aaron Love. Uh, when Blanche was signing him up for Super 2, uh, he did so because Mick Ritter told him that Aaron's one of the best drivers he's ever seen. Uh, now, Mick Ritter runs Sonic Motor Racing Services, and he knows his shit, no doubt about it. And he was running mm. Aaron in Porsches, um, and that's where he formed that opinion. So, you know, if he says something like that, that means something to me. Um, I don't think Aaron was quite in the right environment in Super 2 last year, and I think it will be a slog with BRT this year as they sort of continue those growing pains on a bigger stage. But I feel like there will be a race or two where we really see his talent shine and that will set him on the course for bigger things. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, Jackson Evans. I've I've liked, I've always thought he would make a a good supercar. I actually thought he might end up overseas, to be fair. Uh, But he's back here and I I just get the feeling he'll he'll do something at BJR as long as all all the cars are on an even keel, which I'm sure they are, being so new. So I'll have a little bit on Jackson Evans. But it'll be a very close run race, I agree with you. Yeah. Right, yeah. the next next two stocks, Will Brown and Richie Stanaway, both paying $2 right now. Who's going to be worth more in December? Uh, Stanaway. For me, I'm a big fan, always have been. 
Um, if I was Jamie Winkup, I'll admit I would have signed Richie for the 97 or the, what is it, the 87 um, for this is, year. Yeah. Um, although I do totally accept that there was and is a lot of risk attached to that. Um, I think Richie and Matt Payne will be a fascinating lineup. Um, I don't really know who's going to come out on top there, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how it does play out. Um, I feel like Brock will probably just have the upper hand at Triple Eight over Will, just because he's uh, he, he had such a great season last year, and he's had those couple of years to sort of find his feet in that uh, in that environment. So yeah, look, I, I'm I'm going with Richie because when he's good, he's just so good. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm with you on this one. I think this is a case of the man Triple Eight went with versus the man that many feel they should have gone with. Um, I just, I know Richie came and probably uh, things just weren't right the two times he, two teams he did race with last time. I feel like, given the situation, given that Murphy's had a guiding hand over him to come bring him back into the sport, I just get the feeling the time's right for Richie Stanaway, and I think he might do something pretty big there. Um, Will Brown, he will like I, I'm a bit like you. I think given he's up against Brock, who was established there at that team. Some would even say it might even be Brock's team. I think uh, Will might take a little bit of time to uh, find his feet. Plus, he's using the number 87, which is the Australian cricketer's uh, devil's number. So that's Mm. bad luck. Yep. Um, SVG versus Scott McLaughlin. Both over in America. Both with plenty to say about Brady, by the way. Um, Who's going to be worth more come December if they're worth $2 each now? I'm going with Scotty Mack if we're talking about this year. I think Shane will always be compared to that impossible benchmark of Chicago. And there'll be times next year where he will struggle in whatever division he's racing in um, because he has so much to learn and questions will be asked, even if that's massively unfair because of the situation that he's in and just because of that benchmark that he set. So um, Shane will make it in NASCAR. I have no doubt about that, but I think there's ups and downs in his immediate future. Then you look at Scott, who you know has been through the process of finding his feet in IndyCar. All he has to do is win the Indy 500, and his stock is going to skyrocket. So for me, uh, Scott is the safer short-term investment. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I think given where Shane is starting compared to where he could end up by the year's end, I think he might be worth a $3.50 stock by the end of the year. Scotty, like you said, has to have a big year. He's been there and thereabouts, but... um, you just said all he has to do is win the Indy 500. Like, that's just rolling out of bed tomorrow morning. Um, best of luck there. I just think Shane. I'm going to have Shane there. Um, what about this one? Oscar versus Lando. Both paying $2 right now. It's a case of can Oscar get the hang of nursing the tyres versus can Lando get his shit together in qualifying and maybe win a race? Tough one. It is a tough one. I'm going to go with Oscar here because he's still very much in that learning phase. Uh, And if he's anywhere near Lando, that should always be the better investment. And, you know, we saw that he was um, last season. So it's going to be very interesting between those two this year. I think think a lot of it in terms of where your investment is going to succeed or fail will come down to who wins a proper Grand Prix first. Because I think if Lando watches someone else win one, before him in a McLaren, it will leave a mark on the ego. Wow. I, I think it could destroy him. Um, interesting that Lando just signed a huge deal just before all this uh, Ferrari-Lewis uh, deal broke as well. 
I reckon he might have at least, at the very least, cost himself a naught on his uh, contract. But he also cost himself a chance of going to Mercedes. Some would say that's a step sideways or even a step backwards. But yeah, it's interesting, although when you find out that Lando is managed by Zach Brown, maybe everyone knew. Um, so yeah, I'll have, in all that, I'm going to have Lando. I feel like his time is getting closer. Um, what about this? TCR versus GT3 in Australia. $2 right now. Who's going to be worth more in December? I think they're both going to benefit from the Speed Series 7 deal and a bit more free-to-air action for for the categories that are sort of uh, on that Speed Series bill. I'll go with GT3 because I don't really see a huge future for TCR in this country. I mean, let's be honest. Did the TCR World Tour really do much? We had one Aussie bother to take part in any of the other rounds. Um, even with the seven deal and the free-to-air coverage, you know, if I had a young driver saying they want to do TCR, I'd be asking them why. You know, unless they're desperate mm. to be the next Yarn Alashe, you know, there are just better mm. categories mm. to do to set you onto most career paths um, in motor racing. You know, GD3, on the other hand, I think will enjoy the upswing of the change with SRO sort of taking over the management of the category uh, here in Australia. Um, what tends to happen if you look at GT3 and uh, Carrera Cup is that, you know, that they always have an upswing in change. So there's a new Carrera Cup car comes along and all these guys flock over there. And then something changes mm-hmm. in GT3 and everyone flocks over there. Um, so I think we, we might see a bit of that effect this year. Um, plus for young drivers, you open up the path of, you know, becoming one of these manufacturer hired guns, you know, like and racing around the world. And that's Juice Ojeda is Campbell. kind of the, the latest that we've seen, you know, looking at that with Mercedes. Um, although if, if the rumors are to be believed, perhaps there's a bit of Erebus interest there if you catch my drift former. But um, <laughs> you do you do kind of open you do open that that door with GT three. So yeah, I think GT three is the category that's gonna look better at the end of this year. Yeah, I, I think so too, mate. Although God, there, there must be a special place in hell uh, for the person who signed that stand deal for this whole series. Mm. Um, that was... Uh, talk, talk about selling the farm. Um, I'll have GT3 in this as well. I'm a bit like you. I just wonder... And I wanted TCR to work. Um, I've gone and had a look a couple of times. It's, it's always decent racing, but I wanted it to work. I don't think it has worked. The numbers are dwindling. This is a very, very important year for them. With that in mind, I'll have a bit of GT3. Thanks very much. Uh, finally, Sergio Perez versus Jack Miller. Both are worth $2 right now. Who's worth more? This is a real toughie. And, um, yeah, you've, you've, you've made this one hard. I'd love for Jack Miller to prove me wrong, but I've got to go with Perez on this one. I mean, the guy isn't actually a bad race car driver. He's, uh, he's pretty good, really. Um, mm. He's no max, but he should be able to steady the ship you know, if the new Red Bull is any good and you would expect it to be. The only wild card in that is that Max does seem to like to push the team down these development paths of these ultra pointy cars that he can drive and nobody else can. So that could be the sticking mm. point. But as we sit here, I, I, I'm going to put my, my two bucks on Sergio. I'm with you, mate. Um, I think the problem with this equation is We've been spoiled for MotoGP success over the years. I mean, we've had some great riders. Um, Jack has promised a lot, but to be fair, there hasn't been much uh, substance to all the promises. 
I think Sergio, much like you, I think there's a race driver in there. I just wonder whether it's going to be shown uh, in Red Bull. But for all that, in, with all that in mind, I think Sergio is the better bet of the two. But they may, both might be worth a dollar fifty come December 2024. All right, welcome back to the final segment, um, Rear of Grid here at uh, Full Credit to the Noise. AVL, before we leave, we should preview or have a look at least at the Bathurst 12-hour. It's hard to have a real decent preview given drivers aren't all locked in. But um, next weekend, it's a field of 31, including nine different makes, um, five different makes in GT3. Mercedes-AMG, the most represented, with a total of 10 on the entry list. Nine of those are in GT3, of course. Audi's the next uh, most prolific mark with five GT3s. Um, despite, obviously, they're going to wind back all their customer racing programs very soon. The total breakdown amongst uh, Class A is 12 cars in Pro, 6 in Pro-Am, and 3 in Silver. If we look at teams, Triple Eight Race Engineering is fielding one Pro entry, um, which is the National Storage Racing Mercedes, driven by Brock Feeney, Will Brown, and Mikkel, Mikhail Grenier, uh, and one in Pro-Am, which is the Triple Eight JMR Mercedes, um, which is a pretty strong um, local, well, kind of semi-local uh, entry, that national storage one. The Craft Bamboo Racing and 2023 Pulse Hitters Group of M Racing are re- representing Mercedes, of course, as is Scott Taylor Motorsports Mercedes AMG, which has three supercar drivers in Craig Lowndes, Cam Waters and Thomas Randall, pretty strong as well. In addition to Triple Eight, Mercedes AMGs have been entered in Pro Am by the Erebus supported M Motorsport and Heart of Racing, with Tagani Motorsport running the Superbarn car in silver. Three of the four Porsches that have been entered the Pro race up uh, in the race will be in Pro class, which is the first time the 992 GT3R has raced at Mount Panorama. Manthe EMA Hub Auto and Phantom Global Racing are responsible for those efforts, with the former also fielding a 991 GT3 in Pro-Am. And completing the Pro entries, my favourites, the BMW Team WRT with two M4s. One of those, of course, will be driven by Valentino Rossi. Now, like I said, it's hard to sort of nail down a tip here, but what are you thinking? Um... I know some things about some of those Mercedes lineups that haven't been unveiled yet, and um, there's some pretty. I mean, Craft Bamboo have done pretty well for himself, but uh, that Group M lineup is is pretty good. Mm. It's going to be pretty good. Um, okay, and uh, it's it's. I don't like doing this, but it's not something I can talk about. But it's it's going to be a it's going to be a good lineup. Um, so, and the Mercs always go pretty well at Bathurst. So I think there's a couple of, uh, a couple of entries in there that are going to be pretty, pretty speedy. Um, at the end of the day, all that really matters is that Valentino Rossi is coming because that <laughs> he's carrying this race at the moment. Card, you know, it's, it's just crazy what that does for this race and, and for this event. Um, so I think that is a, a huge, uh, a huge tick for the event. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, it's. I think it's. I think we're going to end up with a pretty decent lineup. I think that's what I would. I think pretty decent is how I would describe the entry list that we're going to roll into the. Yeah, the Bathurst. I think uh, it's the Bathurst Twelve. It's an interesting time for GT three racing. A little bit with kind of we're in a little bit of a, a little bit of a, tr- not a trough, but like we're kind of in between Audi sort of pulling out, and we're still going to have Audis on the grid here. But in between that, you know, and and. 
We've seen some of, you know, there's been some Mercedes talent that's obviously people are sort of chasing those hypercar opportunities yep. at the moment pretty hard. Um, and we're, we're not quite on the other side of that, which is when Ford come into it. And that's obviously going to, you know, that's going to be a very big deal as well. So we're just kind of in between that. And I think given that, this is this is a pretty decent entry list. Yeah, 31 cars. Um, I thought there might have been maybe, I don't know, half a dozen more. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. It's a shame there's no Ferraris for mine. I'd love to have seen the new Ferrari. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you say, hopefully next year, Couple of Ferraris, a couple of Mustangs, maybe a Corvette if we're lucky. Some Lambos, that'd be nice as well, because a few yep. of these Mercedes, I know they're they're still sort of current models, but they're a bit long in the tooth to look at. To be fair, um, mm. yeah, I'm gonna long in the nose as well. Have you seen those oh, things? They're like, monsters. Bonnet goes forever. Monsters. Um, I'll be cheering home Valentino. I never cheered him on on a bike, but I definitely will be cheering him in a car. Uh, it's a great thing to see him run around. And I tell you what, he did a pretty fair job last year, just quietly, for, some, for sure. someone yeah, having a look at Bathurst the first time. All right, quickly, there's a segment we're going to play called Would I Lie to You? I'm going to give you a story. You're going to tell me whether it's true or false. Sure, it sounds like an English game show, but um, they don't play for what we're playing for, and that is one of us has to put a mum, hashtag mum's life sticker on your car for 12 months if you lose uh, over the course okay. of a year. So I'm going to make a statement. You simply tell me, is this a lie or is it a fact? Here's my statement. In the, the Indy 500, mm-hmm. possibly the world's greatest race, over a quarter of a million spectators attend race day. Uh, that's what it's known for. Now, a race around the old brickyard. Um, the winner chugs milk at the end, of course. We all know that. But here's the question. There has been at least one occasion... Or has there been at least one occasion when the winner of the Indy 500 was well and truly over the blood alcohol limit when he crossed the finish line? Lie or truth? Ah, uh, true. Like, please be true. <laughs> I want this to be true so badly. Like, it has to be true. Tell me it is. All right. Come on. Well, I'm going to, to be honest with you. You're up 1-0 already because during the 1913 yes. Indy yes. 500, Jules Gu in a Peugeot, obviously, drank champagne at each of the six pit stops he made his reward for his boozy pit stops um, was winning the race. The following year, organisers banned drinking of alcohol, boo, while racing. Um, Why? He did great. He won. No. Um, he started on the drink early. He finished his first pit stop on lap 25 to replace a flat tyre. He spoke no English and he came for a tyre change and reportedly said, fetch me a pint of wine, a cigarette and my mistress or I'm done. Um, he did say all of those. Um, his pit crew, despite being French, had no wine on hand. They did, have, however, have 19 cartons of cigarettes and 12 mistresses. So crewmen were sent to the grandstand in search of uh, some champagne. Um, they found some in one of the corporate boxes, believe it or not, where you hang out. Um, mm. And the, So they went down, and during the subsequent uh, pit stops throughout the six-hour race, Goo and his riding mechanic, Emil Begin, um, who was riding shotgun, would grab and guzzle more champagne to stay hydrated. By the time the mile, right. the 500 mile approached, the two had allegedly consumed nearly six pints between them. Um, the race lasted more than six hours. Goo dominated. He led more than half the laps and finished 13 minutes ahead of second place. Now, in the chaos of the victory, as Goo was mobbed by sports raiders, his first request was for a bottle of wine and someone else's wife, the Indy Star reports. That bit I might have added myself. So there you go. Mm. And I'm pretty sure he came down and raced TCR for a round or two, didn't he? I was, <laughs> I was about to say that, you know, people say Indianapolis and Queensland Raceway don't have much in common, but it turns out there is one thing, and that is an intoxicated Frenchman. So that is uh, that is an amazing story. That's that, that's brilliant. 
That, All right, that's great, and I'm glad it's true, and I'm glad to be uh, to be one up and trying to avoid the mum's life bumper sticker. Now, even though you're known as one of the big newsbreakers, I'm going to bring you mm-hmm. uh, a rumor I've heard this week that there will be an announcement. Maybe it's one of the ones you were alluding to earlier around the 12 hour of a late entry in the 12 hour of local heroes, um, Jordan Love, Will Brown, and Jordan Cox. But a word of warning, uh, be careful Googling Love, Brown and Cox because I think that's got me put on a watch list, uh, AVL. But, uh, yeah, watch out for Love, Brown. I love you. I love you've done the research for the listeners former. That is truly the <laughs> Lord's work. So thank you for checking that out. And finally, we've got a fan letter. Uh, it's from at Gold Coast Eels, who I believe is a bit of a chaperone for yours when you go up to the Gold Coast. Um, he's, it has happened before, yep. You can answer this. Dear at AVL underscore motorsport and at former underscore legend. Why is it that teams like Triple Eight and FPR can hold on to drivers for what seems like a whole generation, but other teams seem to cycle through them and not retain them, and the drivers they lose don't even go to better teams? It's an interesting point, and the pattern is undeniable. It's not necessarily fair to say that they don't go to better teams because Erebus hasn't always been you know, a powerhouse, remember? It really mm. has only been in that position for one season, but... Obviously, losing both Will Brown and now Brody while having cars fast enough to win titles is a noteworthy occurrence, as is one of those drivers seemingly preferring to sit on the sidelines than continue with the team. Mm. So arguing against there being a cultural issue of some kind is incredibly difficult at the moment. You know, drivers are unique creatures. None of this will be a one-way street, but team management is the common denominator here and something... You know, this is something that I'm sure Betty, Barry, Shannon, and everyone who's sort of in the in the in the senior management of that team will now carefully have to consider because whatever is happening there behind the scenes and what is there, whatever has happened with this Brody situation, this has to be a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, all right, well that'll about do us for this first episode of Full Crew of the Noise. Don't forget, you can find the show on all the socials at FCTTN Podcast. You can read all of AVL's excellent work at speedcafe.com. Uh, if you want to hear blokes telling you why they miss all those big scoops, go and buy a copy of the other Mobs Rag. Until next time, I've been former legend, he's been AVL, and this has been Full Credit to the Noise. See you all at the restaurant. <laughs>